Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. In 2021, President Biden released an executive order to advance DEIA, meaning diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility within the federal government. For U.S. federal agency leaders, this order serves as an opportunity for change and to rethink their DEIA strategies. This will help them attract, retain, and develop talent that looks like America and build more equitable workplaces and cultures of belonging. Joining us is the FBI's Chief Diversity Officer, Scott McMillian, as well as Workday's Chief Diversity Officer, Karen Taylor. Today, we'll be discussing how to strategically place your diversity and inclusion team within your organization and the ROI of doing the right thing. Over the last year, Scott and Karen have discussed topics like this multiple times and have formed a great working relationship. So Scott, Karen, thank you for being here today. I know your time is in super high demand, so let's get started. Perfect. Excellent. Scott, you made the news by becoming the FBI's first chief diversity officer in its 100 plus year history. So congratulations. What made you want to take on such a difficult role? Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for having me uh, uh, in this podcast with uh, Karen. And let me just say, it's just such a pleasure and honor to be here just to share a little bit about, um, you know, my travels literally within the FBI, but more specifically, uh, the strategic placing of a chief diversity officer within the FBI, which can be applied to other organizations. Uh, And so when I look at the question and think about, you know, what maybe want to take on such a a challenging role or difficult role, I will tell you, uh, I love the FBI. I've been in now almost 25 years. And I will tell you, I believe for sure that diversity, equity, and inclusion, accessibility make the organization better. I really believe that we can be better at what we do when it comes to serving the American people, upholding the Constitution of the United States. When we have the perspectives of various uh, people from various backgrounds and those differences collectively help us to literally make better decisions. And so for me, taking on such a role throughout my career, whether it is on the FBI National Recruitment Team, which pulses to show and, and exemplify excellence to other diverse populations and people to let them know there's a place within the FBI, uh, or whether it was a part of one of our diversity advisory committees, uh, serving there to have initiatives that would make our workforce better and more efficient and even uh, deal with uh, issues and circumstances, situations that affect our employees. I recognize that this role, the chief diversity officer, was a position that allowed me to expand on those things and build upon those things that I had already previously done uh, throughout the years in my tenure in the FBI. So for me, though it is challenging work, it is great work and is work that I think uh, for sure will help us in the FBI uh, navigate the waters to be better for the American people and the American public, which we're serving. Wow, that was a tremendous answer. Karen, what about you? You've been Workday's Chief Diversity Officer for, I think, about five years, but you've had similar roles at multiple companies before this. So what keeps you motivated to continue this work? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And I would probably say what uh, keeps me motivated is the hope of continued progress, if I can be completely honest. So, um, as you know, I've been doing this work for close to 20 years now, and we've actually seen some really good progress. Um, But I would say that we just haven't seen enough progress for all groups. So, if I look at the fact that we've actually made really great progress on the gender front, right? Women in leadership, women on board 
boards. We've seen great efforts around our LGBTQ community. Um, we continue to see an increase in certain communities where organizations are thinking about employee resource groups and how they're thinking about those. Um, we've actually saw growing representation even for underrepresented groups at both, you know, overall within companies as well as in leadership. And we still have a lot to do. We have issues of ageism and generational diversity that we're seeing now. We certainly can do more for people with disabilities and neurodiversity um, in the workplace. We can hire more veterans. Um, we And we still have a long way to go when it comes to ensuring that our organizations are balanced when it comes to Blacks and Latinx and women and Asians in leadership. And so all of that, you know, even though we've made some great progress, there's still a lot more uh, that we can do. And as I think about, you know, not just those issues of representation, but as we also think about inclusion and belonging and the things that really drive our culture and uh, the employee experience and issues that uh, help us to retain our employees, I think all of those things, we still have more work to do. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Scott, when people call you the FBI's first chief diversity officer, it gives this impression that the Bureau is just now starting to focus on DEIA, which of course is not the case. But what is new is that they formally created that chief diversity officer position and then elevated the influence of your team by having you report to the associate deputy director, the third highest ranking position at the FBI. So how did this change affect your ability to be successful? Yeah, wonderful question, because I tell you, you know, uh, the FBI has always been uh, interested in ensuring that they're actioning diversity, equity, and inclusion. But I will tell you, this work has gone on for a long time. My office, the Office of Diversity and Inclusion here at the FBI, literally was founded back in 2013 under the leadership of Tanya Odom, who was a section chief. And birthed out of our EEO office was the need to have an office that specifically looked at diversity and inclusion and equity and accessibility issues and matters. And so if you think about it now here in 2022, it's been almost 10 years since uh, the Office of Diversity and Inclusion has been stood up. It was stood up initially as a section and subsequently has grown over time, which is very important because that growth over time uh, speaks to the volume and literally the interest of our most senior leadership in this space of diversity, equity, and inclusion here at the FBI. Raising and allowing that this position, let the office to move underneath the third in charge here at the FBI, to me again, is the amplification and the interest, the investment in by the organization and the most senior leadership from the director, associate deputy director, and even the deputy director, that this is important work. It is important to the FBI. It is important also to all the persons out there of our constituency, which is the American public. Uh, and so when we raised this position in the office, uh, it really uh, made a statement uh, that this was important work. Um, naming the chief diversity officer uh, is intentional. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, my predecessor was a section chief, which is a level, a senior level, executive level in the government. But specifically, the intentional act of naming this position uh, chief diversity officer also speaks to the intentionality, the purposefulness of the organization to ensure that diversity is important, inclusion is important, equity is important, and accessibility is important. And this just highlights that. This amplifies it and literally uh, puts on the emphasis that this is important to us. But the work here at the FBI when it comes to those, the field of diversity and inclusion has been going on for a while. In, in 2014, matter of fact, in the previous director, we actually made it a core value. 
where diversity is a core value here at the FBI. And anyone internally knows those core values are what we go live by. That's so important to us uh, in emphasizing all the things that we do here at the FBI. So it's a core value. So all of our workforce understands that. And then externally, it does speak volumes to that the FBI believes in this work, believes in diversity and what it can do for the organization to make us better at serving the American public. Yeah, so it sounds like creating a position is one thing, but enabling you to be successful in that role um, by deciding where one falls with an org chart or who you report to is almost just as important. So, Karen, I'd love to also hear your perspective on this. What do you think companies or agencies should have in mind when they're deciding where to place DEIA leadership and, and where they should fall within an org chart? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, many think that in order to make progress in this space, that your head of DEI must report into the most senior person within your organization. And although uh, it's often helpful, um, it's not the only place for a CDO to report into. And uh, Scott is a perfect example of where he calls out, you know, he's he's reporting into the number three. But even more importantly, I think if your CDO has the ability to influence at all levels within the organization, organization, um, they can actually sit in multiple places. And so can your CDO drive key partnerships with legal and corporate communications and corporate fair, affairs and HR? Are they sitting in a position where they can help the organization think about both lived and learned experiences and how you actually teach and understand multiple elements of DEI based on those lived and learned experiences? Um, and then also, do they have the budget and the resources. And so Scott touched on this is, is your organization making the investment in DEI? If all of those things are in place, then a CDO or a head of diversity should be able to be extremely successful and the reporting structure actually should matter. But if those things are not in place, then that person doesn't, they're not in a position where they can influence at the right levels and make the change that they need to make. So important to report to the most senior person, but you can certainly get a lot of work done if you have the right infrastructure and support in place to make progress. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So, Karen, one more question for you. DIA has become front and center for the federal government, uh, but not only the federal government. It appears to be a global trend. What do you think it is about this particular time in history that is making the world so eager to improve? (laughs) <laughs> I think there are a lot of things, but look, I mean, there's no doubt that the that the death of George Floyd really helped to raise the visibility of the magnitude of issues surrounding race, particularly um, in this country and particularly for black and brown communities um, here in America. Um, and as most of us actually saw the react, you know, we actually saw and reacted to a very similar thing. And that's the disparities that actually currently exist within this country around race. But then we actually witnessed how other communities are also impacted. And so, you know, we saw an increase in Asian hate after after COVID. We see, you know, hate and rhetoric toward the Jewish community. We continue to see disconnect, discontent around the LGBTQ community. And so when you throw all of these challenges together and on top of a global pandemic, wars, violence, hate, politics, et cetera, 
um, you know, you actually start to to not only see the divisiveness that has grown, but also people's frustration and the lack of willingness to actually just let status quo be. And so I think people are saying, we, we're no, this is no longer acceptable. This isn't good enough. I don't want to live like this. And I want better for not just myself, but for future generations um, as well. And I think people are looking internally and saying, it actually starts with me. And so if I want to see the change, I need to be involved in the change. So I think, you know, things like voting have actually, you know, elevated themselves um, into the spotlight because I think people are really pressing on the fact that in order for change to happen, we must be involved in the change. And I actually think that that's why so many communities of people are coming together and saying things like hate just don't exist any, don't have a place anywhere in the world. And so I think that that, that hard press on what we're seeing is us as people just saying, this isn't an acceptable place for us to be living in anymore. And we need to be a part of the change that happens. Yeah, I would just note and just tag on that just a little bit that, yeah, in the federal government, we're seeing across the administration where there is an emphasis through executive orders and just even ensuring that all people have a fair opportunity, an equitable opportunity to literally get into the federal government and have a pathway into it. And so when you talk about the change that's needed, I think this is the right time for it. People recognize and understand that all across the, uh, the IC community and the government at large, that diversity, equity, and inclusion is very helpful and should be utilized to advantage all people to serve the American public. So when you all talk about diversity, let's define terms. Who are we referring to when we say we need to improve diversity? So, I mean, I think I I think about diversity like this. I think that uh, for me, I equate the word diversity to difference. Okay, and so when I look at difference, Everybody is diverse. Everybody fits into the diversity picture. But that does not mean that all things are created equal. That does not mean that everybody has equitable access to opportunity and information and data and the things that are going to allow them to accelerate maybe their careers in the workplace. And so um, I, I like to look at it as diversity does mean difference, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't certain communities that also need some additional focus and, and, um, and care uh, within their particular community. And you have to kind of go to where the energy is as well. And so sometimes it makes sense for us to actually focus on calling out a specific element of diversity, right? I need to focus on the black community. I need to focus on the the female community as an example. And so we want to be able to call those things out so that we can put the focus where the focus needs to be. But we also want to make sure that we're not doing that um, and doing it so that not everyone gets the attention that they need as well. So we've got to make sure that we're focusing on the and, not just the or. Yeah, and I would agree specifically with the definition of diversity that was used. We use it here at the FBI as a mixture of differences. And those differences is widespread, as, as Karen mentioned. You know, it could be age, religion, it could be everything that's in someone's background or life experience that they bring to the table. We also agree with the fact of diversity of thought. And we believe those thought perspectives come from people that look differently as well. So it is somewhat about what we look like, but it's not only about what we look like. It's about those experiences, those lived experience that people bring to the table. And I will tell you those differences, that mixture of differences help us be more innovative and creative in idea sharing and also solving problems. 
Yeah. The only thing I'll add to that, because you're absolutely right, Scott, is also the impact on our cultures, right? Like it's, it's, we've, we've got to be more innovative. We got to make, we want to make sure that our companies have an opportunity to drive more market share, but we also want to think about internally the experience that we're creating for our workmates and our employees as well. And, and double, uh, double pressing on culture as a part of that experience is a, is another ad there. Definitely. I tell you, you know, internally, uh, you make a very, very good point because people want to see others that look like them. People want to feel the, uh, a sense of belonging, a sense of welcoming. And and even some people that, if you will, that are part of their culture and their background, because, again, that makes people feel comfortable, helps people make feel comfortable and assist literally in their day to day when they see others. When they don't, they can feel isolated. I know there's been stories about the FBI and how some of our employees have felt isolated over their careers because we didn't have uh, enough or they were the only ones. And so I think the diversity, particularly as we look at what we look like, for sure, when people can see themselves or see others, and particularly when it comes to promotion and those on the upper mobility track, it says to them, I can do that as well. I can be successful. I can succeed. And there's value in that, particularly in a culture, in an organization. Just one other thing is it's not also just about how you are attracting people to your company. It's all about what are you doing to actually keep people there? So to Scott's point about those opportunities for access and development and growth, those play a key. They play just as much of a key element in why someone would come to a com- come to a company as much as just attracting them. So you've got to not just attract them. You have to find reasons to keep them as well. Thanks for sharing, y'all. I remember when I saw um, a a woman in really senior leadership in one of my first corporate jobs, and it inspired me because for the first time, I felt like, wow, I'm at a company where I could really succeed here. And representation does matter, and it's very impactful. So let me ask you this then. A lot of us know that improving DEIA within a company or within an agency is the right thing to do. But why is it also the smart thing to do? Yeah, I think you're spot on with the question in the sense of being smart thing to do. I think in the complex world that we live in now, that's becoming even more and more complex and sophisticated with technologies and uh, and things such as that. It's important that we also are intelligent about how we go about uh, literally addressing those problems. I know in the FBI, we have threats that are domestic and foreign that have become more and more challenging every single day. Though we don't have a bottom line other than serving American people and upholding constitution, which is vitally important to protect literally our citizens from those threats that come uh, towards us. What diversity does and equitable and inclusion and accessibility, what all that does completely when it's together, it helps us be a better organization in serving the American people, ensuring that we're protecting, ensuring that there aren't places for that we don't see or that there are gaps or there are things hidden that we're not known to us. It helps us understand cultures better. It helps us be more innovative better. Uh, and so when I look at it, it brings more ideas. I, I know that when uh, we have others from a mixed uh, you know, background and diversity, it helps with you know ideas we now have thought of it helps us with our creativity it helps us with all the things that we're trying to do when it comes to problem solving and literally trying to keep the american people uh safe now other organizations obviously that in the private sector have also interest in uh, their bottom line but i know in the government it's definitely that an initial initiative of trying to uh, whatever our mission is in for us it is keep the american people safe 
Yeah. In addition, the only thing I'd, I'd add to that is we talked about innovation, market share, culture. But the other thing is uh, what Scott t- touched on earlier, and that's diversity of thought. Innovation can actually come from anywhere. It doesn't matter what school you went to. doesn't matter where you grew up. Innovation can come from anywhere. And as single people, we don't have all the answers to everything. We need to learn through others' lived and learned experiences in order for us to incorporate those experiences into how we work, right, and and how we do things. And so um, leveraging the power of diversity and difference and what others bring to the table is the power. And and that's why it's a smart thing to do, because you bring all those voices together to create the best. And when certain voices are left out, you're missing something. And so that's why it's the smart thing to do. We want to continue to make sure that everybody not just has a voice, but those voices are listened to and considered as we're creating different solutions and whether or not that is to drive more innovation within your company or to keep the people within this country safe, it takes all of that in order for this to happen. Okay. So there's probably quite a few managers or or, or people who hire others listening who are thinking, okay, yes, I agree. This is the right thing to do. I agree. It's the smart thing to do, but we are facing barriers to accomplishing this. So what are you two, what barriers are you two currently facing when it comes to recruiting and hiring from these underrepresented groups? And what are you doing to mitigate those challenges? Uh, that's a great question. And unfortunately, there are barriers just in policing in general today. Uh, policing uh, the field across the country, sheriff's departments, uh, police departments have had seen a slow in in recruiting. And there are some barriers to policing in general. The FBI is not exempt from that, uh, even though we're on a national level, a global level, and we have different uh, aspects to our policing. But we are a law enforcement agency as well as an intelligence an- agency. And so policing in general has some barriers that are uh, inherent to it. And, and the FBI, like I said, is not immune to those. But some of the barriers specifically include just awareness. There are people in underserved uh, communities, underrepresented groups, diverse and minorities that may not even consider the FBI as an employer of choice, which we are, and we're striving to come and be a better one, but they may not even consider us. There are other job fields that that are uh, more popular, or I should say more of interest, or more regularly known within uh, some of these underserved uh, communities and groups. And so for us, it is to get the awareness about the FBI, to let people pull back some of the mystique off the FBI, so people get to know us uh, better, that we live in communities, and that we are literally there uh, along with them in their neighborhoods and that, yeah, there is a place for them in the organization. Barriers also include we do have a mobility agreement for those that are sworn uh, in our special agent cadre. And that is a barrier for some, whether they're men or women and families and lifestyles, all of those things come in. But the part of us being strategically better at what we do, we do have a mobility agreement, but that's a barrier. So it's awareness about us. It's some of the things that we have logistically and policing in general uh, and serving in, in such a capacity and in some Subsequently, is also some of those mobility agreements and some of those other nuances to the job. Uh, this is a hard work. It's tough work, but it's also very, very gratifying work. It's mission-driven work as well. And so some of the barriers that, that come in, into play in policing in general do affect us as well. Uh, I will tell you what we're doing is getting the word out, uh, uh, literally to organizations, particularly to uh, uh, colleges and universities. We're trying to let people know about the FBI and uh, all the things and opportunities that we have available to them. We believe the more that we are present, the more people get to know us, the more people get to see us, uh, the more they get more familiar with us, and the more they will consider us as an opportunity of choice. We do information sessions at uh, HBCUs and other universities, minority-serving 
uh, institutions in particular to ensure that underrepresented groups aware become more aware of us and get to know us better. Again, I think that's a, another thing. We have a lot of advertising campaigns, branding campaigns. Uh, I would say that uh, we are really trying to make the case uh, to other underserved communities, in particular underrepresented communities within our ranks of the FBI, that this is a place uh, that there is a place for them in the organization. Yeah, what I would add to that, because that was very well said, is are we looking for talent in the same places? Do we keep going to the same, you know, um, Ivy League schools? Nothing wrong with Ivy League schools, but are we still going, are we only going to Ivy League schools to source talent and think that you're going to find underrepresented talent in the same places? And so how do we also think about, um, does everyone need a two-year degree for every single job within your company? Or are, are, is there some flexibility so that you can actually attract different levels of talent? Um, like I said, are we continuing to source from the same place or are we going to maybe different educational institutions? Um, as we're hiring people, are we looking for both performance and potential? Are we looking for skills as opposed to only education? So there are ways that we can think about our processes and thinking about our processes and are our processes allowing us to attract the best talent. I think the other thing in there too um, is, do you have the right culture for me? Not every culture um, fits for every single person, but do you have the right culture for me? When I get there, do I have a reason to stay? Can I learn and grow and be developed? Are there others that look like me that I can aspire to be? And so all of those play a big part in the challenge around attract, attracting uh, talent. But if you can mitigate some of those challenges for folks, you will see that more and more people will want to come into your institution and be a part of it. But you've got to create the right culture. You have to give people a reason to come and you have to give people a reason to stay. It's a great answer. Some of the best workers I know uh, actually didn't graduate college, and uh, they have outperformed many people. Um, I, I love when when individuals are given a chance because a lot of times they will rise to the occasion. So I, I love hearing you uh, talk about it. The other thing too, I think this that's important for this is to um, think about language too, right? Um, when you always talk about taking a risk on someone. I'm going to take a risk mm. on you. That doesn't necessarily make a person feel great about, <laughs> uh, you know, about coming into your institution. And it already um, kind of puts a little bit of a, of a halo or a sign kind of over your head to say, this person is different for whatever reason, making it and creating even more barriers for people to actually be successful. And so as we think about things like taking risks on people or, you know, um, like some of our language just needs to shift as well, because we're not re really taking a risk on you. When we hired you, you kind of had a seat at the table. Now it's our job to help to grow and develop you as a part of our community. And so um, I think just language becomes really important as we think about uh, DEI as well. And that's incredibly important. I think you you hit it uh, on the head when you talk about development. I know uh, we've kind of shifted our marketing and branding and literally making sure people know that not only uh, is there a place for an FBI, but what that actually means. And it's really is that we are going to develop you. We are going to give you uh, training and skill sets and, and cultivate you as one a person and then professionally in your career so that you can be better literally in your uh, expertise. And so for us, it is literally how do you complement us with the skill set that you bring, whether and the background that you bring 
bring uh, that we can literally enhance uh, through all the training programs that we're going to be uh, able to put you in, as well as let you be able to succeed and be most successful as you uh, move up the, in your career ladder. Scott, you also do a tremendous job on LinkedIn posting events. Uh, no, really, I've been, I've been following you and the way that you post about diversity and inclusion and how you're going after different groups and how they have a place there. Um, it, it, I think I think you use social media very well, uh, specifically, you know, when working to attract that that millennial or Gen Z generation. So good job. Thank you. We're really, again, and me personally, as long as with the organization is trying to make the case for people to, again, to get to know us. When people say, oh, I didn't know the FBI did that, or I didn't know the FBI had that program. We want to make sure that people are aware of all the great stuff that's hearing uh, here at the FBI. One, so they will consider us, and then once they get here, they'll, they'll stay with us. So, Scott, if I were a young person, because now I could ask you a question. <laughs> if, I, if I were a young person and I was interested in joining the FBI, what would be the best way for me to get started? Yeah, I think the best way is literally to go on uh, the website. The website has so much information, and that's fbijobs.gov. I mean, that website has everything, uh, positions for interns to students to entry-level positions to even fields uh, that you may not think of, so the medical community or nursings. And so when you think about the FBI and where to get the most uh, expedited information, it's literally to hit the fbijobs.gov website because it's going to be so much there. And then explore. There's diversity pages. We're very transparent about what our diversity numbers look like. And 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 so that's on there. And then it also, you, there's so many videos out there, uh, you know, on the website and then also through just social media that talk about literally the uh, stories of people that have come into the organization and how it is a career with many jobs and it's a career like no other. And that we're looking for that person who is even considering us uh, because I think those are the people that are curious. Those people literally lend well to, uh, you know, helping us within the organization to, to complete our mission. Uh, so the website is great. But then also say, you know, be even a little more proactive for those that really want to do it. Pick up the phone and call your local FBI office and ask to speak to the applicant recruiter or the applicant coordinator. They have a wealth of information, a ton of information they can also share. I think those are the two best ways to, to get insight and information uh, about the FBI. So let's see. My question started out with if I were a millennial, but what if I, you know, we talked about ageism a little bit yeah. earlier. What if I am a baby boomer or I'm a Gen Xer? Is it still is that still the best way to go about, you know, looking into jobs with the FBI? And is the FBI interested maybe in people who might be in my generation? And I will tell you, we are. Uh, the only uh, age requirement that we have is for the special agent cadre, which is age 37. You cannot not have reached your uh, age 36 birthday before you're able to come on board with us and be in the academy by age 37. But I will tell you, the vast majority of our positions where we call them professional staffers or intelligence analyst positions, those are people who are baby boomers or people who are over the age of uh, 37 uh, that can literally come in and serve into the organization uh, you know, with their age and with their talent, with their experience, because we're looking for those people, too, to fill uh, roles in the FBI. All those jobs are on the FBI dot, uh, fbijobs.gov website. And then, uh, like, like I said, we'll speak to that. So if you, even if you're older, please also consider us uh, as an employer of choice because there are a wealth of uh, benefits as well. And your talent is needed here in the organization. Fantastic. All right. Well, I believe we're wrapping up. So any last uh, thoughts or commentary from you two? 
You know, I would just note that just the, you know, the FBI success is, is literally based on three things. Number one, it's people. The people is our most valuable resource. And those people of those mixture of diverse backgrounds make us most successful. The process that we use, uh, literally, we follow the evidence. We literally do the right thing the right way, that process. And then, of course, our partnerships across the country. We have public, private sector and government agencies, organizations, sheriffs and chiefs uh, departments across the, uh, the, the landscape of America. America that help us do what we do to literally be the premier law enforcement agency in the world. And so for me, when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, just know that if someone's out there listening, that we want you at least to consider us and that your help is needed within the organization uh, to make us better, for sure. The only thing that I would add is um, DEI should be a critical element of every institution's uh, strategy, Um, and it should be given the visibility and the importance of anything else within your company. And so just know that um, DEI and how you treat people, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, um, accessibility, all of those things are critical to the experience that your folks within your workplace are having. And so the more you can lean into every single employee playing a role in how DEI plays a role in your culture, the better your culture and your organization will be. Well, thank you, you too. I really appreciate you sharing your time and your wisdom. And Scott, it is not every day that you get to say you're moderating a podcast with the FBI. So <laughs> thank you for that as well. It was a little bucket list item. We've been talking about DEIA with Karen Taylor from Workday and Scott McMillian from the FBI. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember, you can find our entire podcast catalog at workday.com slash podcasts. I'm your host, Johanna McWilliams, and I hope you have a great work day.